Welcome in to another edition of the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one. It is already episode 17, believe it or not, and we are calling this one The Second Half Begins. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score, your radio home for all the Cubs games with Zach Zaitman, Ron Coomer, and of course the Hall of Famer Pat Hughes. And we are live from 5.30 to 10 o'clock in the morning. You can hear me from 5 to 5.30. And as always, my buddy Crowley is with me. Crowley, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Feeling revived. You can find me on Twitter at Crowley's Cubs. You can find us on Twitter and and Instagram at FlyTheW670 and at Facebook, FlyTheW. And we have our own email account, FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. Yes, please hit us up with any questions or concerns or thoughts you have on the email or any of the social media platforms. Of course, the Cubs have plenty of questions, plenty of issues as we start the second half on Friday. Cubs are sitting in fourth place. They are 35 and 57 overall. They are just one half game ahead of the Reds for the seller in the National League Central. And Crowley, if it keeps going the way it's going, this is going to be a 100-loss team this year. You know, Dustin, coming into the season, I I didn't have any, you know, wide-eyed dreams of what was going to happen. You knew right away that this team, what the plan was, you know, signing a lot of one-year deals, signing a lot of guys that you knew you were going to flip. It just has gone worse, unfortunately, than we expected. Uh, one of the big things the Cubs tried to do in the offseason was bolster their pitching staff. You know, Kyle Hendricks was going to return as the ace. Uh, they signed Marcus Stroman. Uh, they picked up Wade Miley after he was placed on waivers by the Reds. And they picked up uh, Drew Smiley as a free agent. So this is the problem. And and when it comes down to baseball, the name of the game is pitching. I mean, that's about as simple as you can put it. You're only as good as your starting staff is. And for the Cubs, it's been really hard. Um with Kyle Hendricks, he's only started 16 games, uh, which isn't isn't horrible, but he's four and six with a 480 ERA. He didn't pitch from June 1st to June 14th, and they didn't say any injury. They just said he was tired. And then on July 6th, they placed him on the 15-day IL with a shoulder strain. So the Kyle Hendricks as an ace that we saw, we really we've seen maybe what one or two really good performances so far this year, but no real vintage Kyle Hendricks that I've seen. No, not at all. Let's let's stick to Kyle Hendricks here for a second, Crowley. I have said on the Mullion Haw show that I would not put Kyle Hendricks back out there again this year. I mean, he can work out, he can throw side sessions, he can do bullpens when and if he's available. Hopefully this isn't a uh, a situation where he has to have uh, surgery on that shoulder. But at this point, I don't see any benefit of Kyle Hendricks pitching again for the Cubs this season. Uh, you know, as it all depends on what his medical evaluations are, in my opinion, you don't, if he can pitch and he can build his strength up, it's a lot better than giving him like, you know, that long of a break. A lot of these guys are, are creatures of habit and you want him, if he's healthy, getting that arm strength built back up and, and doing well so that in the start of the season, he's ready to go in the 2023 season. If it's still bothering him, then shut it down. I have no problem with that, but I think it all really depends on how he's feeling. What we don't want is a Wade Miley situation. And when we talk about Wade Miley, he was placed on waivers by the Reds on November 5th and claimed by the Cubs. He was supposed to be a big part of this, and and he was going to be a flip piece, let's be honest here, as we we looked at this. 
he has only started four games with the Cubs. He's looked good when he's pitched. He's got a 1-0 record with the 284 ERA, but he's only pitched 19 innings. And he struggled from the beginning when we got him. Uh, he didn't come out of spring training, didn't break with the team. He had left elbow inflammation. And every time he starts to pitch, they got to shut him down again. So that's what you don't want to see with Hendricks. And with Miley, remember, there's two trade deadlines. There's, there's the one that comes right at the be- end of July, beginning of October. And there's another one that kind of goes at the end of August. But, you know, with Miley, this is the last year of his deal. So it's kind of a it's a situation where you really hope he can get it together. But I don't see them getting any significant returns for Wade Miley. Right. August 2nd is that first trade deadline date that we'll all have circled as we uh, hold our breath and see who the Cubs uh, are going to be selling off this time. Yeah, Miley's been a huge disappointment. He's got absolutely no value whatsoever at, at this point, other than the fact that you, the Cubs, picked him up for basically nothing, right? The, the, the risk reward was there, but maybe the Reds knew better that they didn't expect Miley to be able to uh, perform physically. Now, a guy that did cost you something was Marcus Stroman. He signed at the very 11th hour before the lockout as the big free agent signing for the Cubs, as far as pitching is concerned. Uh, it's been, it's been a tough season. He's had 11 starts, two and five with a 469 ERA on May 8th. He landed on the COVID list. So he was gone for a while. And then on June 10th, he went back on the IL with right shoulder inflammation. He's only pitched 55 innings. And so with Stroman, uh, everything, every time he comes back, it's almost like he's starting from scratch, like, like a first start after spring training, you know, 30, 40, 50 pitches tops. Right. He's got two of those under his belt now, those kind of spring training starts, if you will. He was decent against the Mets in the, in the second game since he came back after he took a month off. But uh, you know, decent is not what you're paying this guy for. You're not paying him to be decent. You're paying him to be dominant, and you're paying him to make lots of starts and eat lots of innings. And none of those three boxes so far have been checked, in my opinion, for Stroman. No, it's been a rough start. And another guy who's had a rough start for his Cubs career is the fourth pitcher that was supposed to be part of this rotation. Drew Smiley, who signed by the Cubs March 19th as a free agent, two and five with a 422 ERA. He only has 49 innings pitched. He had an oblique injury and he was out uh, May 31st to July 10th. So you had four guys that you were building your staff around, right? Hendrick, Stroman, Miley, Smiley, and they've pitched in less than half the games. And so that has put a lot of pressure on younger pitchers that, you know, that was your four starters right there, Hendrick, Stroman, Miley, Smiley. And then you had this group of uh, Adbert Alzali, Justin Steele, and Keegan Thompson that you were going to look at for that fifth spot, maybe Alec Mills. Alec Mills is a guy who has not been able to stay healthy. So you've really leaned on Steele. He's had 17 starts, so he leads the team. He's even ahead of, Ken, of Hendricks. And then you got Keegan Thompson, who has more starts than Stroman or Drew Smiley. You have Matt Swarmer and Adrian Sampson, who have more starts than Wade Miley. And then you have Mark Leiter, Caleb Killian, and Alec Mills all making starts. But, I mean, that's a big, big part of why they are in the position they are on pace to lose 100 games. Yeah, it's been disappointing, no doubt. You're 100% right. It's all about the pitchers. And what I'm most looking forward to as we enter in to the second half, and we're calling Season 1, Episode 17, so the second half begins, is the continued development of 
the young starters and Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson. That's where my focus is as we go to the second half. And Adrian Sampson, I, I really, like I said, I, I don't know, maybe he's going to come back to earth, but I think he is pitched as a back end of the rotation type of guy really, really well. So I want to see his development as well. Now, um, we talked a bit about some of the signings and acquisitions prior on the pitching side. The big signing that they had uh, as far as position players was, say, a Suzuki, right? They signed him March 18th, so he got into camp a little bit late, but he tore it up. In April, he was the rookie of the month in the NL. He was the NL player of the week, April 17th. So in the month of April, he slashed 279, 405 with a 529 slug. Then in May, it seems like they kind of figured him out a little bit. He slashed 211, 278, 338. So not that good. May 27th, he's placed on the IL with a left finger strain. He misses the month of June. He's activated July 4th. Now, again, smaller sample size here in July. But since he's been back, 356, 396, 511 slug. Well, he's definitely one of the position players, obviously, that we're going to keep our eye on. Saya is going to be patrolling right field for the Cubs for you know several years as we move forward, and you have to make sure that he is at the very least somewhere in the middle of those April and May slash lines, closer to the April, farther from the May. The July might be a little too much to expect, but I'll be interested to keep an eye on him um, as we keep going through this, um, you know, availability again, he, he missed almost a whole month. Basically did. He missed the entire month of, of June with a left finger strain. And I wonder again, if the Cubs were in any kind of contention, if he would have been able to push through that, or if that injury is just a little harder to overcome than I can completely understand. Yeah. And again, a lot of times, especially a guy that's coming from a completely different country like Japan, different culture, it takes a little while to adjust to the league, adjust to the pitchers, adjust to the travel. I think he's been doing a pretty good job other than the injury. So I'm looking forward uh, to see what happens in the second half. When we talk about good position players performance in the first half, obviously the first name you come to is Wilson Contreras. Luckily, he narrowly avoided arbitration, but he made his third all-star team and he's really kind of developed as the leader of this clubhouse. And he's done it all with that cloud of, of trade rumors surrounding him the entire time. Well, Crowley, I think it's time to have a little bit of a conversation, if you will, about Wilson Contreras. Um, yes, he made his third all-star team. He said at the all-star break at the festivities, the media day, if you will, there that he believes that he will play in another all-star game as a cub. Um, maybe down the line, but do you see any chance of him playing another game for the Cubs this year in Wrigley field? I think there's a possibility. You got a couple games before, uh, the all, uh, before the trade deadline. I think, um, that we will see him at Wrigley again. I do not believe he will have another all-star game in a Cubs uniform. I think once he's gone, he's gone. And anyone that, I mean, Wilson's a guy that is, is a lot of heart. He wears his heart on his sleeve. We all know that there's your brains and then there's your heart and there's two different things there. And there's going to be a time where he is going to get a, a good deal and he's going to go to a contender. And for Wilson, who's played for nothing but contenders in his, you know, he comes up in 2016 He's always been in contentions. He's never been out of it like the Cubs have been since, like, honestly, almost the end of April, early May. But that's got to be tough for him. So 
you know, it'll be interesting to see him, you know, once he gets to another place, how he fits in and then see what he can get in the offseason free agency. Do, do I absolutely rule out a comeback to Chicago? No, but if the Cubs didn't want to sign him to an extension when they didn't, when they didn't have to compete against 29 other teams, why would they do it having to compete? It, it doesn't make any sense. There's no logic to it, in my opinion. Right. There is no, there is no logic to it. I'm still, I'm still holding out hope, but at this point, the logic has to keep uh, kick in and you have to, uh, you know, think about it more and not be a fan and in, in using your heart. So yeah, Wilson is probably gone. And now the next question is, what do you get back for him? It's it's a catcher and a hitter like that is hard. And, and especially Juan Soto kind of getting into the mix kind of throws things off a little bit. He turned down the $400 million deal. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a catcher, but he can also DH. A lot of times you see people looking for pitching and relievers. Those are the two things that really people look at. So I don't know if you're going to get a huge return, but I think what the Cubs showed last season, if we go over – you know, some of those trades that they made for Rizzo, for uh, Bryant, for uh, Javi, you could see they got some pretty good returns for them. And same with the U Darvish trade. So I'm hoping that the scouting and development's a lot better. And they have, you know, I'm sure they have their trade partners kind of, you know, they, they kind of have a feelers out over who's interested in Wilson and they're looking through the system and hopefully they do as good a job as they did with those other guys on the trade. Well, I'm hoping these are at least $25 scratch-offs, Crowley. None of the none of this dollar stuff, okay? These got to be $25 scratch-offs for a guy like Wilson Contreras. Now let's move over to Ian Happ, the other Cubs all-star, also potentially somebody that uh, could get traded. His trade value, Crowley, will never be higher. So I think it's now or never with Ian Happ. Yeah, he slashed 274, 364, 443. Great story. A guy that was basically told a year ago that he was – losing his starting position job and kind of was unsure of himself. And he's really turned it around this season. Uh, former first round pick, you know, I, I agree. You're never going to get probably more than you are right now. You have another year after this season. So you can always work into the off season and kind of come up with an extension there, even though it seems like the Cubs are allergic to uh, off season extensions, but um, <laughs> I would really, you have to have something to build around. So you know, it would be very difficult for me to see both Contreras and Hap. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I would, I figure you have to keep one of them and use that person and say a Suzuki to build around. And hopefully, you know, with Ian Hap being a, you know, a pretty good fielder and a switch hitter that they're going to decide to keep him. Um, I don't know. Now I know this is kind of some news, but Miguel Amaya, who was the number one Cubs catching prospect, is leaving the Arizona facilities and he's going to be going to double a Tennessee. So we're talking more about the major league team, but I'm wondering very much so. And there's another catcher Moises Ballesteros uh, that's in the system, but I'm wondering how much, you know, that factors into the decision. I'm not sure it does, but it, to me, it, it's very interesting to kind of keep in mind. Well, you definitely can connect those dots, Crowley. There's no doubt about that. When I heard that news, my, my Wilson Contreras is being traded meter. Wah, 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 wah. That's what it screamed. Now it could just be coincidence, but we basically have not heard of Maya's name all year. Unless you're really grinding on the Cubs and digging in, you haven't heard a word about him. And now all of a sudden he pops back up into your newsfeed. You're seeing stuff on social media about him. Oh, by the way, the trade deadline is August 2nd. 
Right. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, another good, though, player besides Contreras and Hap, he's a guy that I like to be on an all-star. And like I said, at shortstop, there was very little chance. But the guy, he, Nico Horner, what, you know, a lot of question marks over whether he is a shortstop, even today, probably questions about it. But all he's done is answer the bell, comes into camp in absolutely phenomenal shape. He's batting 307, 344, 423. That slugging number of 423 has surprised me. You know, I thought he'd be just kind of more of spraying some singles around, that kind of stuff. He has been hitting the ball with authority. And the defense at shortstop has been really, really good. Is he great? I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put him in the great category, but really good defense with really good numbers. And, and to me, if there's a guy up with two outs and at the plate and runners in scoring position, honestly, Nico Horner's the guy I have the most faith in, to be honest with you. Right. He should probably be batting a little bit higher in the batting order. If you wanted to make that argument as well, more times than not. Um, he's a real try hard guy though. I believe, I believe he could be great at second. I think he's good and adequate. It's short. It just, again, seems to me that he's puts every ounce of effort into every throw when he makes it. Now, again, he makes the play, but he makes, he doesn't make anything look easy. And that's always the beauty to me at shortstop. When these guys make plays that you or I probably could never make, they make them look just so effortless. Now he makes the plays, but he makes them look very hard when he makes them. And again, that, that the free agent class of shortstops, you know, headlined by Carlos Correa if he opts out, or Xander Bogarts, who we had on this, we had Bob Nightingale talking about uh, those rumors earlier. I mean, you get one of those guys, it's a it's a no doubter, you know. And I have no problem with Nico uh, sliding over to second. Um, one of the best stories of the first half was Christopher Morel. Uh, he came up from double A, so he skipped triple A altogether May 17th. He hits a home run in his first at bat and goes on a 22 game on base streak to start his career. He played center and second. His slash line 266, 338, 477 with nine home runs. You know, you saw the numbers start to dip a little bit more at the end, but he has played the game with a joy and an energy that has been very much needed in Chicago, especially after last season's trade deadline moves. Crowley, I'm going to push all my Cubs chips into the middle of the table, if you will. Christopher Morell has definitely been the highlight of my Cubs watching and listening to the games on 670 The Score. He has been um, great, and I appreciate the fact that I heard Connor Hawkins on the score. I believe it was with Bernstein and uh, Lawrence Holmes, and he even admitted that he has been better than they would have even thought, that he can't sit here and say, well, of course we knew that he was going to be this special and he was going to bring this kind of energy. So he has been the total package. Now, the biggest question to me is, is he a second baseman? Is he is he a center fielder? Is he the top of the order guy? Is he better at the bottom of the order? Um, but I want to see him play every day as much as possible as we have the second half of the season ahead of us. In my opinion, and I know it's probably not a popular one. They, he is more ticketed to be the, um, be someone that would be like the Ben Zobrist Swiss army knife piece. That is going to be the one that will can go to a lot of different places and not be affected by moving around. And so when you talk about, okay, maybe we get a shortstop, Nico goes to center. 
or second. And then if you take a look at the guys in the system, Brendan Davis says he's coming back and playing this season. He had a back issue in AAA. Uh, Pete Crow Armstrong just played in the Futures game this last week, got a double. Um, those type of guys, all of a sudden, there's going to be a – I don't know if it's next year. I can't say. But there is going to be a, a, a group of young, talented outfielders knocking on the door. So for me, Chris Morrell kind of uh, plays into that Ben Zobris type role. Well, listen, I, it's your lips to God's ears. I hope that there's enough young talent coming up in, in a shorter time as opposed to a longer time that you would have the um, – what, what's the right word for it? You would have the luxury, I think. It's very hard to use the word luxury with the Cubs these days, but that you would have the luxury to, to be able to move a guy like Christopher Morell around like you're saying. Now, what you're saying makes all the sense in the world. I just – boy, I just hope that's not two or three years from now. I can't promise you that, you know, it's a development's a funny thing, but uh, it, it'll be interesting is all I have. Uh, you know what? And if he's a stopgap piece until those guys are ready, I'm fine with that too. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the bad. We try to be more glass half full here on the fly, the W670 podcast, but of course there is bad Crowley and we have to talk about it. So let's talk about it. Um, you know, there was the big two question marks last year in the second half, two guys that blew up on the scene were uh, Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel. And they are two guys that are so easy to root for some of the nicest, friendliest guys. And they, they kind of came, you know, you're, you're replacing Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. Good luck with that. But they were fun, likable guys that did a great job in the second half of last season. Um, the question marks were, were, could they do it? through a full season can you know when you have guys that are 29 30 years kind of making their you know regular start debuts that's very unusual uh wisdom hasn't hit very well i mean he he's not a guy that hits a lot he's more of a slug guy he's a 220 316 441 so the slugs there he has 17 home runs so he leads the league but that average being 220 is really low and he's made more errors than I was hoping for in defense. He's got a pretty good arm, but he's made some errors that have been costly. Uh, so that's been a tough one. Um, Frank Schwindel this season, when you looked at Frank Schwindel, uh, he's came, he had a back issue in spring training that affected him. And I don't know how healthy he's been all season. He's slash lines 238, 283, 383 with eight home runs. So those two guys haven't really provided what you were hoping for at the corners. You wanted a little bit more from them, no doubt. Hard to replace Bryant and Rizzo, of course. They're they're big shoes to fill. They're both very nice guys. My, I guess the biggest disappointment between the two of those guys is the is the errors that Wisdom has been throwing up. But but my biggest, um, hottest, worst, most disappointing thing for the Cubs so far is the next player you'd like to talk about, Crowley. <laughs> Nikki two strikes magical. Uh, Who? Yep, Nicky Magical, wherever he may be, 31 games he's played. He's been injured most of the season. When he has played, it's been bad. Now, here's the thing about Nick Magical. His slash line is – and when you talk about slash line, right, you're breaking down your batting average, right, how many hits you get per, like, say, 10 bats. And then you got your on base, how often you get on base, which would be uh, – those are guys that walk, get hit by pitch, any way that you get on base. And then you have your slugging. Nick Magical, that Nicky Two Strikes name, comes from the fact that he was a guy that would spray the ball all over the field. He's not going to slug a lot, so you're not going to get the slug, which is low, which is normal for him. He doesn't get on base. He doesn't walk a lot. 
So that on-base percentage is going to always be low. That's what we're, we're – nobody had any imagination that that was going to change. But 222, and the thing that's been killing him is he's constantly hitting the ball on the ground. And so they've really gotten nothing out of him so far this season. He was a big part of the Craig Kimbrell trade, which doesn't seem so far to have worked out for anybody. Um, the other Cody Hewer has been on the injured list all the season. So uh, it, it's been a, it's been a tough one. And so hopefully uh, magical bounces back in the second half. The question is, who do you move Morel? I mean, or, or who do you move? That's, that's the big question here. Well, you'd have to move Morel, right? You'd have to move Morel back to center. I want him playing every day. Maybe we see him in left a little bit, but I mean, if, if Nick Madrigal is going to return, he has to play as much as possible. So you can figure out if he is potentially the answer at second base, because he has no other position, right? Crowley. I mean, Nick Madrigal is a second baseman and I'm saying that Nico Horner could be a great, an all-star caliber second baseman while he's going to be eh, at shortstop. Well, that leads us to our second big problem that we have to take a look at, which is Jason Hayward. Will he be DFA'd? He has been injured, quote-unquote, since June 30th with some knee inflammation. His slash line was lower than Wisdom's, Schwindel's, Magical, pretty much anybody on the team at 204, 278, 277. That's just awful, and he's your highest-paid player on your team. Uh, you saw Robin Con Robinson Cano get DFA'd by the Mets. Obviously, they're going for it. The Cubs have a lot of respect for Jason Hayward. The issue here is, is you have these two guys that are on the IL in Magical and Hayward. Now, maybe they're going to both come back. And if they do, you have to think that Chris Morrell is going to be the odd man out on that one, to be honest with you, unless they're willing to DFA Jason Hayward, which by all accounts doesn't seem like something they really want to do. No, I don't think they'll DFA him, but there's no reason he can't sit next to uh, his buddy David Ross on the bench. If that's the case, then so be it. But it's got to continue to develop. You have to continue to develop Christopher Morrell. There's no, I don't want to see Jason Hayward playing center field and Morrell either playing on the bench, being the Swiss Army knife, if you will, or back down into double A AA or triple A. But you know this, and I know this, and and how many times were we banging our head that guys weren't getting at bats? The the biggest one, one of the big stories in the first half was. Uh, Clint slash Jackson Frazier, uh, who we just wanted to take a look at, and and he never really got that opportunity. Uh, Jason Hayward got the at bats. Uh, Frazier's been doing really good uh, since he accepted his. He was DFA'd, and he accepted his assignment in Iowa, which you know worked out for the Cubs, and he looked really good. We talked to Alex Cohen, the voice of the the Iowa Cubs. You know what? Boy, there's just so many questions that you want to ask yourself as we come into, you know, getting closer and closer to this trade deadline. But I don't know. I know, I know Jason Hayward needs to sit. You do do David Ross and Jed Hoyer. Well, I think they know. I think it's just a matter of, you know, their friendship, what he's meant to the organization, all those kinds of things. But uh, let, let's give him the opportunity. Let's see. Maybe he will have a air quote ongoing knee that just doesn't get right and they can hide him on the uh, injured list. Okay, Crowley, let's really quick move into a very overworked, very overtaxed, and okay bullpen so far for the Cubs. Yeah, if it's one thing the Cubs have been able to do, it's been develop some pretty good relievers. They made a great signing in David Robertson. 
Uh, he's had 13 saves. He has experience as a closer. He is definitely getting traded, and I think he could provide something back in return. So good on the Cubs on that. Chris Martin, not the lead singer of Coldplay, has looked pretty good out there. And Scott Efros has really been uh, David Ross's security blanket, the guy he looks to at any high leverage situation, and he's done a great job. Uh, on the flip side, Rowan Wick, uh, just, you know, he was a guy that looked really good before he got injured last season, and just it hasn't happened this season for whatever reason. Michael Rucker has struggled. And then Daniel Norris was awful, and that leads us to our DFA list, guys that are no longer here. I don't know if we have any end memoriam music as they are no longer with us, but uh, <laughs> Jonathan VR gone, Daniel Norris gone, Matt Swarmer gone, Sean Newcomb and Ildemaro Vargas, so may they rest with another team somewhere else. Do any of them get a video tribute when they turn, return to Wrigley Field potentially with a, another major league team? I hope not, but uh, Swarmer, I have to double check on if he accepted his assignment with the Cubs, which I assume that he would. So, you know, you may see Swarmer back, but the rest of those guys are long gone and for, and hopefully forgotten.